Greetings, Droogies. Welcome to another episode of In the Abyss. Uh, and for the first time in ages, the triumvirate of cunts is back to normal because it's just the three of us. And it hasn't been for fucking weeks, isn't it? Since we were all just sort of here and normal. Well, I wouldn't say normal, but just the three of us. How long has it been? Been a while. Yeah, it's probably a month. Since we returned to these shores. Nah, it's been longer than a month. It's been longer than a month. We've had interruptions from guests and men with beards and, and things like that. So, you know. But I've, I've told you this before. Stop letting the wolf man come on. <laughs> He's got no respect. He turned let up every, late the other week. Every, every, every now and then you've got to allow him out. You, you've got to let I, him out. Look, run, so. I'm, I'm not, I've got nothing against people who are half man, half wolf. Okay. Or of wolf and man. But keep the beast at the door. Don't let it in. Anyway, um, before we get into tonight's sort of major gritty topic, you know, it's, it's highbrow shit this week. Um, earlier this week, we announced our own little Christmas shindig, I suppose is the way of looking at it. Our first show that we're putting on. Um, we nailed down Celestial Sanctuary, which is fucking amazing because new album's out today um, and it is a bit fucking good. I've only had a couple of listens, but so far it is a bit fucking good. Yeah. Um, just yeah. fucking riffs. Where they get those riffs from, I don't know. I, I don't know. But we'll probably talk about that in a couple of weeks. Um, and we've also bagged All Father as well. You know, friends of the podcast. Great band. Really looking forward to seeing them in a tiny little venue. I'm sure they'll absolutely tear it to fucking pieces. Um, and then possibly one more. We'll um we'll we'll see what we can we can kind of add to the bill, but it'll be um be a good fun night. It's in Chelmsford, Essex, where I live, obviously, because I'm the centre of the universe. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be DJing throughout the night, or the voice of reason will be mostly. And uh, if if you're in the area, or if you're not in the area, come down. It's a free show. Maybe a bit of a donation on the door to help the venue because we want to do more of these shows. And uh, yeah, till two o'clock in the morning, just come down and break fucking bang your head till it falls off. Basically, I think it's going to be a good night. Padre won't be there. Got better places to be, isn't he? I'm, 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 I'm kind of like out of the three of us. I'm the, I'm the, uh, the Jesuit. Okay, I go out there, I spread the word. I go out beyond these shores. Okay, that's that's what I bring to this table. You need to get yourself to Japan because I, I want to be. I, I want to be big in Japan. I know. But <laughs> I, I mean, I saw. It's a lifelong I saw ambition. Tailgunner, I saw Tail on Master Ito's metal. TV program in Japan. Which yeah, is a, I, I saw, I saw that come up on Instagram. Funny, which enough. is a big deal for them. I also, yeah. like, I, I think you know, let's let's cut to the chase. They need to be on the main stage of Bloodstock next year. They definitely need to be at Bloodstock. Yeah, yeah. And Even I if think they just as, open the main stage, just you know, as as a you know, in twenty twenty one when Bloodstock came back after COVID, it was nearly an entire British lineup. Obviously, because people couldn't travel but it just proves what great british well look we've talked about it loads of times and this year in particular how much great british metal there is and yeah tailgunner are one of them they should be on that festival 100 percent. so yeah let's let's hope it happens i'd like to think it will whether it's main stage whether it's you know on the sophie stage whatever it may be but they definitely need to be there and they'll go down a storm so tonight this week we um after their sort of setup bloodstock a couple of weeks ago um we got to thinking about megadeth and what's good about megadeth what's bad about megadeth so we decided in our wisdom that we'll uh we'll rank 
all 16 Megadeth studio albums from shittest to best. So it's probably fairly predictable where this is going to go to a certain extent, but there are a few questionable decisions in here, which we'll, we'll, we'll no doubt <laughs> cross as we, uh, as, as, as we go along. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, look, we all know, you know, Megadeth, Megadave, whatever you want to call them these days. These days, it's a band of hired guns. It's, it's Dave, it's friends. And it has been for quite a long time, various different members, whatever it may be. But there's obviously a classic era of Megadeth, which we all love. And then the rest of it is just kind of, well, let's see. Let's see. So, look, it's going to be fairly obvious where we're going to kick off. Um, it was between two albums, this, and it was actually pretty close with our genius scoring system that we devised for this and we'll use it again in the future the worst Megadeth album according to us is Super Collider came out in 2013 and look as far as I'm concerned it's an absolute bag of shit and clearly the other two agree so although the voice of reason didn't have this as his absolute worst so floor is yours well tell you what I'll, I'll explain my decision on the next album that might make sense actually why i placed it accordingly i'll tell you what let's do it like this the bottom two albums you've got super collider as last and we've got risk as second to last and i think that was always probably going to be the case because they're both dog shit but yeah. it's it's why one is worse than the other right okay well I'm, right full transparency here and here's the first bit of controversy <laughs> so risk risk is bottom of my list and then it's super collider but the reason Risk is bottom of my list is not because I think it's the worst album, because I actually think objectively for what it is, it's not actually a bad album. I don't think it's a great album. I don't think it's a good album. I just don't think it's a bad album for what it is. But my main problem with it is it is not a Megadeth album. It is way too bloody removed from what Megadeth fundamentally are, even considering what they were doing in the 90s, it's too much of a departure. And you've got, you've got all sorts of things going on. You've got a bit of light industrial. You've got a bit of hard rock. You've got a bit of country in there. Dave's, Dave's trying some stuff out. And I would normally say fair play for him to, to, for doing that, but it's not a Megadeth album and he should not have put the Megadeth brand on it. He should have said, you know what? We're taking a break after the other two left. We're doing something, we're going to call it risk. You might like it, whatever. And I think sometimes it's just, or sometimes it's not. But I don't want to call it a Megadeth album because it ain't. So for that reason alone, it's bottom of the list. Where Super Collider is a Megadeth album and it's shit. Can I just chime in on this? I was just looking looking risk up on, on um, Wikipedia and there's the critical reception section. And... Uh, um, Stephen Wells of NME panned the album, giving it zero out of ten score, and saying that the album was the American equivalent of the retro stylings of Travis and Cooler Shaker, <laughs> as well as calling the album corporate mock rock. Uh, that's that's quite biting to compare Megadeth to Travis and Cooler Shaker. That's that's cutting. Yeah, that's 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 pretty damning. It is, but weirdly though, the way you describe it is 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 the reason why it's not the worst Megadeth album for me because 
because he was trying so, trying to try something different. I get what you mean. He probably shouldn't have put the Megadeth name on it, but he was trying something different. Lost members, all of that. Whereas Super Collider is just a, a desperate plea to try and cling on to some kind of career. It is fucking awful. It's one of the worst metal albums I've heard, let alone worst Megadeth album. Well, it's, it just, tight, it's just a, but... it's for wannabe sort of radio-friendly choruses, isn't it? I mean, burn, baby, burn. Yeah, not good. Yes. thing is, that the first track on that album ain't actually too bad. It starts off all right. And then it Prince of Darkness. Sorry? Prince of Darkness. No, 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 no. Oh, I've got to do my research. No, Prince of Darkness is a bit further along. Uh, maybe it's a different list on Spotify, but... Um... Yeah, track listeners do change with digital music, so it's it's highly. Oh, okay, right. Well, okay, well, on, 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 on I remember we were we were in the we were in the crowd at Reading, ninety nine, and on the big screen they were previewing the album, and obviously that would be in the first Megadeth album that had come out since I'd started listening to them in like ninety seven. And um, I you know I was I was quite you know excited, and then I just remember listening to it again. You know, like this 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 isn't this isn't the band that I've just got you know got into three years ago. So it's like, I mean, it, it was disappointing. The um, thing is, though, with with Risk, it was the it was the well, I say it was the first. It was it was it went wrong the first time. Super Collider, it went wrong again. Should have learned from Risk, doing something that. That's bad. a good point. This yeah. is the thing, though, wasn't it? Was was Super Collider made just to see out the, the remaining deal he had, and he just puts? I think there was something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, it was but like that. That, that, that doesn't, that doesn't this... excuse that level of shit. No. Yeah, no. I, know. I mean, I've, 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 I think again, if you go back to Wikipedia, it says here that's a quote from Mustaine about basically. I mean, the the the, the apocryphal story is. That you know, Lazuric told him you don't take enough risks, and therefore he went off and made this album and called it Risk. Yeah, but what it's saying on Wikipedia is that he was trying to be more flexible and keep Friedman in the band. Friedman wanted to be like kind of more alternative and less thrash, so they slowed it down, slowed it down, slowed it down. And what came out was uh, something that, that was a product, not just to do something different, but to do something different to keep the band together. But then, uh, and then it says on Wikipedia, oh, I've, I, then I realised I've had, I don't need this shit. And they drifted apart and that's when they all left Menza and Friedman left the band. So, you know, if that is the case, fair play, you've tried something different in order to keep that lineup together. I um, mean, it didn't work. Um, yeah, but then again, the question work. is, why didn't it work? And if it didn't work because it was Friedman's influence, then what does that say about Friedman as a songwriter? I mean, as a guitar player, he's phenomenal. But as a songwriter, you know, if that's if that's his influence, doesn't say much, does it? I'd just like to raise a quick point here before we carry on. You're waving a pen. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I know, I just realised that, sorry. You know the rules. Yeah, I know, I know, put it down. No one on this down. podcast waves a pen. These are your rules that you set out. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I, I apologise. I will I will go outside and flagellate myself later. Flog yourself a thousand yeah. times. Shame on you. Anyway, look, let's leave those two there because they're both shit. We know that. Just for very different reasons. Um, next on the list then. So we're going into number 14 out of the 16. What about the- a ruler that's shaped like a truck? Is that all right? What the... <laughs> Fuck. 
I've just, I've just printed. But you, the could, list you can only use it on one side. It's got wheels. I know. It's weird. It's, it's shit, actually. Um, Henry Orchards and Son of St. Hostel. I don't even know who they are. Well, I, I remember them from the Pirate FM advert. So there you go. Um, Megadeth albums. Let's let's do that, shall we? Let's talk Megadeth albums. Yeah. Um, so the most recent one last year, the sick, the dead, the dying. Um, I think we said at the time when this came out, the biggest issue we had with this was it was just too fucking clinical. There was no sort of soul to it whatsoever. It was uh, just. No, it's just. It yeah. felt like it. This felt like an obligation. This album. More than anything, it was just. It was too it's... clean, too too pristine. It just lacked any kind of songs. Boring. Yeah. I think Ben Bean said it sounded very flat, but it, the drums, it's just, yeah, from a drumming perspective, it's just weak. Yeah. And it just, you, you want that underpin there from, from any kind of, well, metal album. And it's 57 minutes. It's like, it's, it's one of the longest and it's just, it's bad enough being forgettable and there. Don't be long at the same time, for fuck's sake. No, way, way too fucking long. I mean, the, the, the one track they played, which I can't even remember the name of it, which was the first single, which they played at Bloodstock, actually sounded better live had a bit more bite to it but it was still kind of it's like six and a half minutes long and it's just it's just too much if you're going to do long songs they've got to be fucking hangar 18 and holy wars and stuff like that for them to carry off but nah nah not good not good at all it's megadeth in the modern era unfortunately it's it's like um you you've got the in the in the in the 80s there are those like second and third tier like thrash bands that technically very good. Um, some good solos here and there, some good riffs here and there. Vocals were just always meh, but um like very mediocre. Um that's what that's to me is what modern Megadeth sounds like. Technical, fast paced, vocals are crap because his voice is gone, lyrics very subpar. Yeah. Um you know, you can't fault the musicianship, but it's so technical because it's trying to, to pr- either prove something or outdo someone or reassert itself. You know, it's like, you know, we're Megadeth, we're still here, we can still do this, so let's amp up the technicality. Are you but suggesting that, that Dave Mustaine is trying to outdo someone? I, I don't know where you're coming from with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not talking about the usual suspects. I'm just talking about in general. <laughs> so it's like, you know, trying to like stay on the perch. And I think maybe... To some extent, some of the contemporaries have just realised now we don't need we don't need the stuff anymore. We just need to tour and play our classics and make our money. It's you know and have fun doing it and just like you know reminisce about the old days. But you know we're not we're not looking to get the Grammy. We're not looking to get the VH1 Video Award or whatever it is. You know, whereas I think Megadeth were trying to like really with the sick dead and done maybe trying to reassert themselves. Same with like some of the 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 the, the last ten years maybe. It's, I don't know. I mean, can you? Well, it, where, where, I don't know where Megadeth go from from here now um, because, you know, there have been fairly big gaps in between the most recent albums. So whether there's another one in the future, I, I don't know. But personally, I don't they think... They shouldn't. They shouldn't. Bother. I mean, just even even if that very... Even that, that the mythical vaunted uh, collaboration, if they, if they ever do it, which I don't think they will with... Like him and Hetfield and Ulrich. Nah, never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. But that never that would gonna. be something that would be something that would be cool. But again, that would have been cool fifteen years ago. Yeah, it, it's it's not gonna happen. And without wanting to go down the route of lazy comparisons, seventy two seasons was, I think, was quite 
was quite successful for Metallica. I like it. I, I really like it. I think it's a great Metallica album. I think it's their strongest since the Black Album. And if you're going to compare the two bands, as we always do, Metallica are fucking... Yeah, but... They're yeah, way yeah. beyond that. Also, I know, I agree with you. Also, um, because Hetfield's had his tribulations the last 15 years, he's got something to sing about, but he's also got the influences of... Uh, Hammett and Ulrich and I mean they're a good they're, they're, there's, there's a, I think there's a lot to be said about having a cohesive unit that's been they're together a band. for a long time they're a band yeah that's the yeah. thing they write things together yeah are you telling me that someone even even someone as good as some of the musicians that he's had in through the doors over the last 15 years are going to come in on day one and go right Dave this is how I think I this is how I think we should do it yeah no chance <laughs> no no <laughs> They, they, have, they have to dress a certain way when they're out in public. They're all on a salary. It's like, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, and he's also like, he won't play with anti-Christian bands and things like that anymore. Or, you know, he has done in recent years. It's He's kind of become, well, we all know what he's like. He's a fucking narcissist, but he, he's almost become a bit of a parody of himself. And the members that he's brought in, he has brought in some great musicians over the years, some proper fucking quality. The, the, the thing that I, I really really made me lose a lot of respect for him or patience with him was when I saw him go on um, the Alex Jones oh, yeah, exactly. Wars. I was just like, no, no, like you, you, you've, you've built a career of, yes, you've, you've, you've been, you know, you fit the role of the contrarian quite well. You're very outspoken and opinionated and you've written songs in the past are very anti-establishment but this this is going too far because he's not anti-establishment he's out there on a different plane and i don't think you want to be associated and, and it was like it was also like they had a man crush on each other like alex james was going on about how big a megadeth fan he was and I'm, really you're you're a megadeth fan really like and then he was like yeah he was backstage at the show and, and it's always nice to come on the show when we're in this part of the world and you're just like really i just i just couldn't get through 10 minutes of it i'm just like i just think you know that that kind of thing adds credibility to someone like Alex Jones. Alex Jones doesn't add any credibility to Mustaine. He actually damages him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. But look, let's let's move on because we're getting into that that sort of part of the list here where you, the difficult. worst albums are at the bottom, but it starts to get a little bit forgettable after this because I found myself over the last couple of weeks when we decided to do this episode of having to go back and re-listen to these albums. Um, Risk, I remembered... The most recent one I remembered, but like 13, which ironically is in 13th position, I had to re-listen to this because I can't, I, I couldn't remember it. And then once I listened to it, I realized this is why, because it's just, ugh. there's just nothing there to offer. It's, yeah, it's a completely forgettable album. There's, there's nothing there to, to get your teeth into. And it's production wise, it's, it's, it's weak doesn't have the oomph, doesn't just doesn't have anything to sort of grab a hold of what's what, what at all. I mean guns, drugs and money is just bad. Um another shocking song title as well. Yeah. I think funnily enough, I think I think the second half, for what I recall, picks up a bit compared to the first half. I think Wrecker, um I mean lyrics are awful, but it, it, it it's catchy in a way. But yeah, it's again a long album, fifty seven minutes. Just there's no need. No, no need. 
it's, it's, it's indulgence and it's just there's nothing memorable there. So yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just remember the last couple of tracks came on, and there was enough, there was a riff or two here and there that just dragged it up for me into the ten, into the top ten. But it's it's it really is like those a, a lot of those even from my album say fourteen down to about eight. There's a lot of like you know separating the wheat from the chafe kind of thing. Like it's like you could probably like you could probably take five or six of those albums that have been made in the last twenty years, and there's a probably there's a decent album in there if you take the best bits from each album. Yeah, that's 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 potentially fair. I mean, looking yeah. at our the way we've we've scored this, me and the voice of reason had this as fourteenth this album. And Padre, you had it as number nine. Yeah. Well, I'm, I just again, I'm, sh- I'm shocked and appalled. I got to be honest. No, no, I I listened to like thirteen Super Collider, Endgame, Dystopia, um, United Abominations, and I think System as well, just in a row, right? In in one afternoon, and there was some bits and bobs on that album that just some of the riffs, especially towards the end of the album, that just stuck in my mind. So that's that, and that's that's basically it. it's not because I think it's an amazing album or anything, and that, and again, but this is the problem that the, the the word that I kept coming back to was derivative. It's it's almost like it's derivative of themselves. It's 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 like a lighter version of a kind of Megadeth. And what I mean lighter, I don't mean in terms of like heaviness. I'm talking about like intensity, vocal intensity, lyrical content, edge. There's no edge to it. There's no there's none of that. There's not none of that Mustaine sneer. Like, like, yeah, you know, it's just like it's got no fucking attitude. That's it's, because again, it's overproduced. A lot of their stuff. This is the problem. It's overproduced. Like when we were talking about prog, and in in a few months ago, and we were talking about some prog bands, they do it just because they can. Like let's write a song in C major, but just because they can, because they're music graduates. It, that's what you get from these albums. I think sometimes it's just you're going to play fast because you can, not because you've got something to say or because you, you're going to like. You know, someone listen to it, it's going to put their head up and go, fuck me, that's good. You know, or that's, you know, Jesus Christ, that's that riff, that chug, that, you know, it's it's just too much of a muchness. It's, it's, as it's, we keep saying on this, if, if if you've got no songs, you've got nothing. You need the hooks, the riffs, the songs. If you haven't got that, it doesn't matter how fucking good you are, how technically able you are. You know, we refer to the band that shall not be named. You know, it's... Yeah. it's yeah, and, and Megadeth have kind of fallen into that, but but look, that's that was number thirteen. Next on the list, number twelve is is an album I actually quite like. Um, the world needs a hero, which came out in two thousand and one, so it was kind of the reaction to Risk, wasn't it? It was Megadeth went back to being heavy again or trying to be heavy again, and I do quite like this album. This I actually had this at number eight, but you two have got it further down. So what's you know what is it about this album that didn't click? I, I quite it, enjoy it. It it doesn't feel honest because I think Dave's still in. I think Dave is, is it almost Dave. honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I think his experiment didn't work. He didn't didn't have the you know that didn't that that didn't get anywhere. And so he's thinking it feels like he has to do this again just to sort of get back in back into things. And maybe maybe there's a similar sort of mentality there. But we were talking about with Death Magnetic, um, but of course he doesn't really have a proper band. <laughs> Death Magnetic is way better. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, because yeah, it's a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and, and, and and you have to point out that the reason 
Megadeth's discography is way worse over with Metallica's is because of that constant revolving door because it's fundamentally a one-man project. It just had yeah. a bit of stability for a few years. Anyway, yeah, it just sounds uncertain, un, you know, what was bit, the... you know, it's yeah, it's just got that sort of I don't really want to be doing What was the name of the drummer on the album? Uh, Jim, this would Jim be Jimmy DeGrasso, wasn't it? This era? Jimmy DeGrasso. From yeah. Suicidal Tendencies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, decent drummer. But like, I mean, the, the, this album sticks in my mind because it it came out and then just after it came out, it was the same time that they released um, the VH1 Behind the Music for Megadeth. And I remember it came, that, that documentary came on VH1 the night before my... Um, uh, exam on the second year history exam on the Austro-Hungarian Empire. I remember Rob, our friend of the podcast, yelling into me, going, have you got an exam somewhere? I'm like, yeah. He goes, don't come in the lounge. You're not going to get any revision done. I'm like, what are you on about? <laughs> came in. I was like, all right, VH1 or Megadeth, I'll watch this. And like, you know, didn't get much done for the rest of the night. So, um, and that that's the album that was released around that time. And I just remember the thing about that VH1 documentary is that towards the end, all you fucking hear is Motorpsycho. And I just think there's a Pavlovian uh, uh, response there. And I just, I can't stand that song. I like Returns to Hangar 18. That's okay. Because me and me and again, rehab, live it? on this tour. Sort yeah. of live on this tour. Um, uh, and but uh, apart from the rest of it, no, it's just, it doesn't really do it. This well, was when the, the, the live album and live DVD was released, wasn't it? Rude Awakening. Rude Awakening. Yeah, yeah. Which, one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. which yeah. wasn't that good either. Not in terms of song, but the, the quality of... I, th I, the, think, the I think going back 20 years at the time, I, I, I remember it being pretty good. I remember um, Jimmy DeGrasso drum solo on it is fucking incredible. But that is probably the most the most memorable part and maybe the guitar tone at the start of Devil's Island but other than that yeah you're probably right Al Petrelli was a bit of a weird choice as well too progressive yeah no I mean Motorpsycho is just turgid biker nonsense isn't it um, yeah that's I fair. mean you've got, you've got Dread of a Fugitive Mind I mean that's classic Megadeth and that slightly rescues it slightly you know and that's that's still in the live set as well yeah absolutely I mean Return to Hangar yeah it, it, it's it's certainly competent Megadeth, but it's a, it's a rehash. And then you've got the closer, When, which is nine minutes long. Um, I mean, the opening acoustic is basically Call of Cthulhu, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think the chorus rips, rips another song off. And I, was, I think I was so disgusted, I forgot which one it was. But it, it's, it's just a mess for me. And I'm I mean, mess. In, in Megadeth's defence, at least they've never gone down the route where, okay, they did return to the Hangar 18. And again, I remember that, it, that struck me as, Okay, I think you're trying to do what another band that you used to be in have, have had a habit of doing the last 20 years with that, you know, almost... What are they on now? Four? Four Unforgiven songs? No, I think we've only had three, haven't we? Yeah. All right, three. okay. Right. There could be a fourth one coming at some point, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, but at least, like, you know, Megadeth haven't gone down the route of Hangar 19. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, or Hangar 20, you know. Now, the, the only decent trilogy over several albums is, is the Charlotte Bahala trilogy. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a different ball game, completely yeah. different ball game. But um, but look, I I don't mind this album. Like you said, songs like Dread and the Fugitive Mind. It's it, yeah, I, I I it's in my top ten anyway. So Dread and the Fugitive Mind's a good song title, and 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 that's another thing. Like looking at some of this later stuff, some of the song titles are actually quite good. But yeah, they but just the songs don't... don't back them up. Yeah, yeah. Like I you mean, I, didn't it? I I just think you know. 
at some point maybe they sat down and go like listen if we if we play hangar 18 and then we have a song that's about hangar 18 as well that would be really cool to play back to back in a set i reckon that's probably why they did it yeah more than likely yeah. that that's that's mustaine's arrogance coming through straight away in it that kind of move but you know well i think it's underrated anyway so there you go um so we're at number 11 now running through it and i remember when this album was coming out i and and padre you was as well we were excited about this album because chris yeah. poland was playing on this so it was like fuck chris poland's back in Megadeth. this is going to be like back to the good old days this is going to sound like peace cells it's you know, so the system has failed, which came out in two thousand and four. Um, and again, I don't actually mind this album, oh. but because the expectations were high with Chris Poland having involvement, I was still a little bit let down by it. Still a bit forgetful. Kick the chair, kick the chair's got a very, very good solo in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, some very interesting riffs in it in the album, but not enough. But kind of. Better than the world needs a hero. Better than risk. I think. I. I mean, a step in the right direction. I got it pretty much on a par with the world needs a hero. You know, I got that as eighth and ninth yeah. for me personally. So, See, funny enough, so have I. But mine, mine, mine were a bit lower. Further down, yeah. Just above the world needs a hero. Yeah, I think I, I got it slightly above because, again, I think I think a couple of the songs are a bit better. Simple as that. It still sounds uncertain, but. You've got to remember, this is after Dave had come back from his injury. So I think he's playing it a bit safe in terms of what he does on a technical level. Yeah, yeah that's probably fair. Arm, so I, I'll give him that. I'll, I'll kind of allow that and take what I can from it. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's summed up by, for example, the Scorpion. I really like the chorus, but I can't stand the verse. It's just turgid crap. But you've got Tears in the Vile, which, again, is ballad. it's got that ballad thing going on. And then it sort of blows up later on and i like that it's really good and keep the chairs okay but the interesting one for me is die dead enough which sounds like his attempt at doing a james bond thing yeah i thought the same thing so that's in my no, note i don't know again again i think on something like risk that works but i'm just not sure it's mega deafy enough to get away with it and yeah the rest of it's just yeah so it's low down for me but he's coming back so my my hope was we're going back over some of these albums is that I would kind of go actually you know what this this isn't that bad, but that hasn't <laughs> that hasn't <laughs> really happened. Well, it has, it's happened occasionally, but too much. Yeah, there's yeah there's a few songs is... that have jumped out that I've forgotten about, but on the on yeah. the whole, it's not been great. It's not been great. It's 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 used up valuable commute time as well. You know, in the mornings and afternoons, and and having to get you know plow through turgid Megadeth albums that word's come up quite a lot it really is yeah I, th I think I have to th think about that but yeah I mean, there's a lot of new albums I want to listen to at the moment and uh I mean I, I would probably say that some of these albums especially the ones further down the list they go beyond tur turgid they're constipated <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's a big load there somewhere they just can't get it out you, you can't you, you can't use words like load when you're referring to Megadeth. It's just in the rules, <laughs> I'm afraid. No, 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 it's, it's not. Um, but yeah, look, um, look, the next one on the list, we've weirdly we've all kind of got this roughly in the same position. I had it tenth. Voice Reasons got it in his ninth, and Padre's got it in his tenth as well. Um, this for me was a bit of a return to form. I thought things were going to get better from this point onwards. 
<laughs> but that was a little misguided. But um, yeah, 2009's Endgame. I, I think this is a, this is a solid Megadeth album. It sounds like a Megadeth album, and it's probably the one out of this whole era which does sound for me like a Megadeth album. The instrumental intro, Dialectic Chaos. That kind of when I first heard that, I was like, "Fucking hell, you know, this is Megadeth again." But it does sort of tail off towards the end, and again becomes a little bit forgettable. Yeah, you two have got it in the same position, so this is an interesting one because I try to try to give this a bit more attention because I've seen on on the internet and other articles that this is quite high up in the rankings, and I'll be honest, I don't get that level of praise. I think it's a fairly solid Megadeth album as the late one goes, but as we're going to see, it's not not my preferred one when it comes to new Megadeth at all. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's what I call the the embarrassment factor is very minimal, where I think Dave's trying things out that he shouldn't be. Um, so that's good, but I don't think it's got enough there that's really, really making me infuse. It's, you know, I'm just, I'm not in along pleasantly enough. I mean, I think the standout's Head Crusher. That's got a bit of a to it. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I'm struggling to think of anything truly memorable, but I'm not, I don't dislike it. So it's kind of, it's in the middle there. But yeah, I don't, I don't get the praise for it. I really don't. I think one of the things that struck me when you get past, you get past Risk and World Needs a Hero, most of those albums that come after, you, you, I think you've got to look at them with what he was trying to do. It's, it's a, uh, an entire piece of almost like installation art to some extent because like there's some songs on those other albums like System Has Failed United Abominations Endgame where you've got like things like news clips inserted in it and um, Dave loves a bit of that these days loves it spoken word bits in it and like I mean and the, the roots of that all go back to I think for Closure of a Dream where you've got George yeah. Bush's yeah, yeah, taxation yeah. speech, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and and it's like I I kind of get it. I get what you're trying to do, but it doesn't work that much. It doesn't work very well. It's like it gets in the way of the song, and it's like you're trying too hard to be a social commentator, and I don't think you've got that much left to comment on. I don't, you know, you're not you just you're too far removed. Because, you know, you've got your house, you've got your cars, you've got your private recording studio, you've got your money in the bank. You're not hungry smash addicts anymore <laughs> living on the fucking edge. Like, I'm not saying you have to be an addict to write good music. I'm just saying they're not. Can you honestly still be hungry at that age? Well, this goes back, anyone, this goes back to my point of the, these albums feeling well, like obligations. <laughs> I think you can. I mean, like I say, we, we've said it before, but this year's Overkill album, fuck me, that's... Yeah, it's a fucking ripper. Great album. They're getting yeah. on. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's driving a lot of these bands forward is how good new bands are, how much great new music there is out there from new bands. And some bands will just go, oh, we well, no, we'll carry on doing what we're doing. But some other bands will step up their game. Yeah. You know, and you're right. Overkill are one of them. That that album is that that caught me by surprise. That one, and you know, compared to recent Megadeth output, they're just fucking polar opposites. It yeah, just shows that it can't be done. 
like that's that's the problem with with Megadeth. They can't sit down as a collective and go, right, what did we do wrong on the last couple of albums? Because it's not we. No, that's that's exactly the problem. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. it's, it's Mustaine, and if Mustaine cannot take himself away and go, right, what did I do wrong? How did I fuck up? What didn't yeah. I do? And also, dear God, just think of the amount of pressure he must put himself under. He's a one. He's he's the lead guitar player, the singer, the songwriter, the producer, and a lot of the stuff. Now it's like maybe you're spreading yourself too thin, mate. Yeah, you know, like yeah, that's a good shout. You know, you don't. He doesn't have a foil anymore. He's fallen out with pretty much everyone he's been in a band with. Um, at some point, maybe he makes up with them sooner or later. But you know, there's a lot of people out there that wouldn't want to go near him again. For yeah, but you reason. get the impression with with Dave Mustaine, whenever he makes up with these people, there's always something lurking in the background. He's never quite yeah. forgotten about. It. He's he's never going to let it go. The whole Metallica thing, you know, they've done the big four, they've been on stage together, and all this kind of shit. But you just know there's always an underlying thing that's just eating away at him. And it always will be because that's the kind of person he is. You know, yeah. with some of these albums, it feels like he's trying to outdo himself as well as trying to outdo. Yeah. Have you have you seen that film on Netflix, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? No. Right. Um, I don't know if it's in the book. I am listening to the book at the minute. Um, it's, it's, sorry, is that the book? Is that by Mark Manson? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've read, the, read his other book. So. There's the film on, um, on Netflix. Okay. Um, they actually he he specifically spends a good fifteen to twenty minutes using Dave Mustaine as an example of why you shouldn't give a fuck, and he basically says that, like he says, this is a very good like micro study of someone that really gives too much of a fuck about one thing, and that was always to outdo Metallica. Yeah, and it's like it doesn't matter what he does, it doesn't matter how successful he is, he's always comparing himself. He's giving too much of his attention to what someone else is doing and not enough to what he's doing. And maybe that's the root cause of a lot of these like kind of flops. And, you know, it's one thing to get those, like those first five albums and he was fired up and he had a fairly, at least he had a, a foil in Ellison. And then he was surrounded by some very good guitar players um, who were hungry themselves. Whereas it's, it's like um to me now it's like these guitar players they come and they join him and it's like doing a, a it's like getting into a good university you know it's going to enhance your CV for your next thing it's not like right I'm in Megadeth now and this is the next twenty years of my career it, it it's a you you know it's a short term thing but it's like it's like working um you know if I go and work at that company for two years it's going to make my CV look really good and I'm going to get a better job on the other side of it. It's that's what it feels like with this this like this approach that he's the hired guns thing. Yeah, I yeah. I think it's counterproductive, and it's a shame because he is the the kind of creator of his own demise to some extent, and it's it's almost like a cautionary tale that his yeah. entire career. You know, it's like yeah, I think I think, I think that pretty much hits the nail yeah. on the head. It really does, but. Interesting, you know, you could argue that certainly all, all the best Megadeth albums came before Load. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. Um, <laughs> next up, number nine. So we, we, you know, we're well into the top ten. Now, now, this one, this one has caused some some um, polarized opinions. I think is 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 going to be so. The way we scored this is each of us took all sixteen albums and we all gave it a score from one to sixteen. Sixteen being worst. 
Um, so in ninth place, we got Dystopia. I put this at number 11. The Holy Man had this at number 13. But dragging the average up in the rankings is our apparent voice of reason. Who's got this at number fucking four. Number four. I mean, you've got to explain yourself. Well, we've listened to a lot of Megadeth albums over the last 10 days, haven't we? Um, and they've all, admittedly at times, all swamped around with each other. And instantaneously, when I listened to this this week, and I'll be honest, transparently, I don't really think I listened to it much back in 2016 when it came out. I wasn't really in a very metal zone then. But when I listened to this recently, for I suppose the first time, instantaneously it stood out head and shoulders above everything else. Um, 50 minutes. I think it's a very straightforward Megadeth album. It keeps things simple. It doesn't try too hard to do anything clever or anything weird melodically. It, it's keeping things very straightforward, very simple in that regard. It rattles along at a decent place. And a lot of the time, you know, with Megadeth, where you hear something that's not right and you just think, oh, what, what are you doing there, Dave? And not once did I hear that during this album. Um, and overall, I think this is Megadeth with Dave going back to basics. I think the production is pretty much solid. It's not too clinical. It's got just a bit of rawness and it's heavy at times. It's got a bit of classic metal going on there. Um, there's some anger there, although I think that's I think that's related to when it came out and him going down the wrong route libertarianly, so to speak. Um, but I think musically. I, I I like this. I really like this album. I've listened. I've re-listened to this album more since, just to make sure I'm not. My brain wasn't being weird and stupid and whatever. And each time I thought, no, it was. I really like. I really like this album. I'm. I'm. I'm just. Well, wow. it's the second time on this episode I've been shocked and appalled. Quite frankly, um, I, I I I don't get why people don't like it. At least a bit more than it currently is. Look, Padre, you had it lower in the rankings even than I did. You've got this at number 13, so it's right down there. Nothing made me stop and go, that's a good riff. There's the there's the Alfred Hitchcock quote about, like, you know, a film needs that refrigerator moment when you go to the fridge you, you know, and you stop and go, what was that? There's no, like, stand-up moment or stand-up moment where you just stop what you're doing and go, yeah, and you start, back, you know, nodding your head or, Tapping your finger or your foot or something. There's none of that. That's that's why just nothing stands out. This is yeah. and I go back to that word. It it just feels derivative. Yeah, I, 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 I share that opinion. Generic. I'm not going to disagree. I don't think there's anything um, that's super impressive in terms of riffs and technical stuff. But I don't think it's trying to do that. I like I say, I think it's just taking bringing things back to basics, keeping the melody simple, and just. Just focusing on just some straightforward metal riffs and good tunes. And I think this does it very well. And I think if you listen to it from that perspective and not from another point of view, I think you can probably enjoy it more. But that's just me. All right. I'm going to leave that one there because I, just, I think it's <laughs> mental personally. But um, but moving on and we're getting into the nitty gritty now. We're sort of halfway. So um, 1997. When some may argue that it started to go a little bit wrong for Megadeth and everything went a little bit soft and 
I don't know, but I'm actually a pretty big fan of cryptic writings. As far as a melodic metal album goes, um, maybe if I was, I think if I was an ardent Megadeth fan in the mid nineties, which I wasn't, I hadn't got that far yet. I might've thought differently, but now I really like it. And I always enjoy trust live. I think it's a great song live. It was great at bloodstock. Um, and it, and it's, it's, it's just a really good, solid hard rock album. And I, I listen to it a lot. It's the one Megadeth album out of the outside of the classics that I still listen to on a regular basis. Um, you two have got this kind of around both round about number 10, but I think, I think we all got to agree that it's it's a little bit underrated for what it is. There's there's some good yeah, stuff. In this album. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I would use the example of I was at university with two different people, one of whom I lived with, and they heard Bob and I playing cryptic writings, and they went, "Who is this? This is really good." And they were like, "Oh, it's Megadeth." And they were like, "I would never have thought that." Megadeth would write a song that that good. Risk, uh, sorry, not risk. Um, trust, trust. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a fantastic song. I think it's it, one of Megadeth's strongest songs. It has got a great intro. It's got an amazing riff. It's got a good middle bit. It's got a good solo. The lyric, you know, lyrically, it works. It's got a good chorus. It is. It's a very, very good song, and it carries the album. Um, there's a, there's other good tracks on that album, but that song as an intro. Yeah, it, it, I'd agree with that. It definitely carries the album. That is by far and away the highlight of it. No doubt about that. But I, I, yeah. I just enjoy it all the way through. It, it's up and down for me, and I but I think it's it's listenable to a point. So you know, I would I would turn it off, but it is up and down. But it's yeah, trust is great. August Honest is good. She She Wolf is a classic. She Wolf. Yeah. Absolutely, proper Megadeth. No, no arguments there. But yeah, again, again, that end where he's trying to be a bit more metal than the rest of the album. You know, and Vortex is, I don't know, maybe... Yeah, you could probably yeah. lop that off the end of the album and it would have been fine. Yeah. I mean, you've got FFF, 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 Scotchio. <laughs> um, and it, 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 well, it starts off like Motograph, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like so that. yeah, it's still... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can listen to it, but... It's patchy for me. It is patchy, but I, I get what you're saying in terms of <laughs> you know being being listenable compared to others. Yeah, yeah, it it is, and and like I say, it's that and one of our other sort of you know one of the other mid '90s Megadeth albums I do listen to quite a lot. So yeah. it's um yeah maybe maybe I've just matured. Maybe I've just got more of an appreciation for it now than I would have done when I was a teenager. Perhaps I probably would have written it off, but. You know, now it's 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 decent. Um right, in seventh place, we're we're back in the same zone as we were with Dystopia five minutes ago. Um I had this at number twelve. Padre had this quite high up as well at number seven, but this is fifth on the Voice of Reasons list, United Abominations. Explain yourself once again. Uh I think this is a just a proper, decent, solid Megadeth album. Simple as that. Uh, there's enough there to enjoy, as far as I'm concerned. There's not a great deal of awkward moments. It's very, it flows well. Um, it's just, as far as I'm concerned, it's just a pleasing, pleasing Megadeth album. Um, you know, off the bat, Sleepwalker. That's a great Megadeth track. Uh, Washington is next. Has got a big old chorus to it. Yeah, Sleepwalker's, Sleepwalker's decent. Sleepwalker's decent. To be yeah, fair, it just, just flows well. I think. 
simple as that. There's very little I dislike about it. I don't think it's a classic by any means, but um, it's an enjoyable Megadeth album, I think, and um, I engage with it more than a couple of the classic ones. I, I don't know what to say. Even Padre's lost the words, but but then you well, had it at number seven, so you, yeah. must, you must enjoy it as well. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit narrow-minded. Maybe I do need to to go over these albums again and again and again, but I just I do just struggle with a lot of them. I really do. Let, 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 let's just say, for me, it was much easier to score the top six albums than it was the rest of them. Well, that's that's a that's a given. You know, I've also yeah. heard the Pope lives in the Vatican. For fuck's sake, it's like it's, it's it's about as obvious as it gets. But they they lost their way. We know that. But that's not to say it was all terrible. We've we've kind of touched on that. But we're now getting to that point in Megadeth's career where it just kind of afterwards it sort of fell off a cliff. Um, mm. Get to that top six now. So we'll go Wait. right back to the start then. If we're going to the bottom of the the bottom of the top six, as it were. Um, Killing is my business. We've got this in numbers in number six. I had it at seven. Voice of Reason had it at seven. Padre, this is your fourth best. So it's obviously high up there for you. Yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't get... So the first Megadeth album I ever heard was Peace Cells. The second was So Far So Good. Then I heard Rust, Rust in Peace. And I didn't get round... To listen to Killing Is My Business until actually a few years later when I first started listening to Megadeth. Just because I, I can never find a copy of it. You know, this is before you could go away and listen to stuff on like, you know, social media and stuff. So I remember listening to it and it's just, it is just a filthy thrash album, but it's not an album that you would say that is a debut album because it's. There are parts of it that are very polished, including the songwriting, the use of the uh, the the classical piece at the beginning of Last Rites Love to Death is, is is inspired the guitar solo, which reminds me of the the intro to Black Hadder too, because that's got a really stupid like medieval style <laughs> guitar solo. Um, uh, the the entire song "Looking Down the Cross" is just it's clever, but it's just it's technical and it's it's got good lyric content and it's like fast-paced, multifaceted. The song Killing is my business is my business is one of my favorite songs. Really good lyrics. Absolutely just blistering like fretwork. Groovy as well. Um the the cover of these boots were made for walking. Questionable. Uh, questionable. I, I get it. I, I, again, clever, but don't know if it worked or not. No, um, no, no, chosen ones okay. Skull beneath your skin, it's just got that classic Mustang snarl scream on it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I just think it's a you know, it's a decent album, you know, it's it, and I think it's a it's a statement of intent. That's that's quite a good way of looking at it, actually. A statement yeah. of intent because he obviously it's wanted like to that. lay down a marker, didn't he? You know, <laughs> that's, that's a, yeah, that's a- yeah. Isn't it? That's an album cliche. Yeah, but it's it 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 is accurate because you know he was he was full of hatred and and distaste towards Metallica then. So it, that that was what was you know it, it was what was keeping him going. Yeah, and I, I mean I, I've got to say like the the me- mechanics 
I don't like the actual song, but I fucking love the intro. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really funny because if you watch um if you watch Cliff and All, uh I think it's it's for whom the bell talks. Um, but if you watch the end of that, they play Hetfield and Hammett play the end, the intro to mechanics at the end for whom the bell talks. It's just quite interesting because that's not on the four horsemen. Yeah. Yeah, he's so, slightly different, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you know, that kind of stuff must have really got under Mustang's skin. <laughs> they like really like, you know. So uh I, I just think I think, you know, if 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 forget the whole Megadeth, which album's the best, all that kind of stuff. If you if someone said to you as well, watch Thrash Metal, you're gonna give them Rain and Blood. The album I would give them would be Killing Is My Business. Because right. it's it's dirty thrash. Especially just like Last Rites Love to Death, the way the guitar kicks in after the intro, and then the way the solo kicks in halfway through the song. It's just, you know, it's just how I mean, that that's how much methamphetamine you have to be on to write a song that that, that fast. <laughs> you know? Do you think though, if if we were around then, if if we were here in Megadeth for the first time when that came out. I mean, this is what I mean by when you get to sort of like cryptic writings, it would have been such a downer if that's where it started and that's where it ended yeah. up. Same with same with Metallica getting to load and and obviously yeah. the shit that came after that. It's I get it. I would love to have been there in that era, hearing yeah. all this stuff fresh when you're like 14, 15 years old. Well, like, can you just imagine going to like the the, the Troubadour or the Whiskey or some of the some of the venues in San Francisco, just seeing that get played live with a thousand other people in, the, in attendance and just be like, dear God, you know? Yeah. Memorable moments that, you know, obviously we're never going to get, but, but voice to reason, what do you think of killing the business compared to all the rest? I mean, you've got it kind of at the same level that I had it. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I, I, I like songs. I like choruses and big, you know, big, big stuff in this, in metal. And, um, you know, when it comes to fresh, it's 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 good. It's really good, but you know, I want it. I want it heavier. I, I don't. I, you know, I need it a bit more than what it is. And I think, you know, the guitar works great, and there's lots to enjoy. But it's. Um, I, I just want the songs to be a bit more cohesive and memorable than they actually are. Um, that's why it's not as high on my list. Um, but having said that, yeah, it, it's a good album, and you know, it's flawed. I think is is the way I look at it. It's it's, oh, yeah, yeah. it's like a hint of what's about to come. It, it's a doesn't debut. quite hit the nail on the head. Yeah, it, it's a debut, and um, yeah, yeah, but that that's it. But oh, yeah, still, it's still a good album to listen to. So yeah, yeah. And, uh, this was this was my re-listen. I was thinking, oh, do I prefer this to that? It, it's kind of you know, I, I, that's where I had to have, had to have a little bit of a play. But um, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So we're we're going to the top five now. So we know what's coming. We're into that sort of classic era of Megadeth now. So. Number five, we've again we pretty much all agree on this. We're we're just about bang on. Um, Countdown to Extinction, nineteen ninety two. Megadeth go MTV. It's it has its it has its knockers. This album, but it's got some. <laughs> it has got some fucking great songs on it. It really does. I know it also has Sweating Bullets, but it's got some absolute fucking. I don't. Bad. This album. I don't like the music in Sweating Bullets. I like the concept of the song. I like some of the lyrics. 
Um, but I think at that point in time, like this is Megadeth. He, he's just he he's finally got clean at this point. Mm. So he's got. He that's what. Him, that's yeah. what that's about. That you know, and like you know, that's an indulgence and let him have it. I but I do know people who were like going back to what you said earlier about who 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 were there in the eighties as Megadeth fans and sweating bullets to them is what turned them off that band. Yeah, and I can um, see why. So I can see that. I can see where that's yeah. coming from. Yeah. yeah, but like um, for me, the only thing that lets that the main thing that lets that album down is Psychotron. Like what? The, <laughs> like yeah, this is yeah. a stupid thing. If you go away and listen to the remasters, or you look it up online, if you listen to the demo of Psychotron, it's actually better. And if you take the lyrics out and forget that it's about some kind of fucking robot, it's actually the riffs in it are actually quite good. Um, it, and I think it would have worked as an instrumental, just as a chuggy, just two minute put it near the end of the album, just riff away and leave it. But no, you have to put the lyrics on and talk about part bionic, not a psycho, psycho me, psycho drop, whatever. The lyrics is just, Dave, what are you doing, mate? Yeah, just, just silly. Yeah. yeah. He, he was, he, that may have been when he was still high. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. I think we need to talk about Chug with this album because, you know, you talk about... There's a lot on that. There is. I mean, you talk like the intro to Symphony of Destruction, you know, the, that sort of little orchestral bit, and then the, the chug kicks in. And even now, I still love that. When they kicked into that at Bloodstock two weeks ago, I was like, this is what I fucking love about Megadeth. Yeah, and also the solo from that song is is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, completely agree. Skin in My Teeth is fine. It's great as an as a, uh, album opener. But for uh, Closing yeah. of a Dream, and the title track I love as well, which yeah, is really top, melodic, top, but good, I love yeah. it. Countdown love to it. Extinction, the song Countdown to Extinction is, it, it, again, if it, it works really well on the album and it works really well live and you've got the two guitar players playing off yeah. each other, harmony melody, great. But if you go again, if you go away and you find the intro to that, the no, the, the, the the demo of that song, it's even better because take the lyrics out and they it's, it's a different order. And I think it works better and I quite like listening to it. But yeah, again, it, it's really good because it's... um. Some of the hooks in that song, are, are, you know, work really well. I like, I, I quite like the um, the lyrical content as well. Is, is great. Um, I, I think you know, high speed dirt lets it down a bit. This was my life. Isn't that great? Ashes in your mouth at the end is fantastic. Great song. Great riff. Fucking um, banger of the song. Yeah. Do we, do we think this was Megadeth's hookiest album? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. possibly. Maybe, maybe what we're going to talk about next, perhaps. No, I, I'd say there this as well, is, but this is better. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I look at that. I like the album, plenty to enjoy. You know, like I say, hooks there, some good stuff. I've never, it's just for me, I've never agreed with the acclaim. You know, it's always been regarded as almost a five out of five album in a lot of places. And I've never understood. I've never thought it was that good. Yeah, it's definitely not that. Um, no way. I don't know. But I mean, when I, again, as part of these re listens, I've warmed to it a little bit more. Um, but I don't think I warmed to it much more than that. I think there's still songs, on, a few songs on there, but I think are, uh, yeah, all right, middling. Um, yeah, there's a bit of that. But I think the sound that they, they, they took on with Countdown to Extinction, the next album we're going to talk about, the next one, um in actually no sorry i'm wrong 
it's actually higher up than I thought it was. We're actually going to go back a couple. So in fourth position, we've got so far so good. So what? I just like I, I I'm incredulous now. <laughs> and I'll I'll come to you first because you've actually got this quite a long way down the pecking order. Um, I I've I've got it at fourth where it is. This is Padre's third favorite, but. Again, I refer to you as the voice of reason. I'm starting to struggle with that that term. You've got this as number eight, and I know yeah. it's I know it's far from a perfect Megadeth album, but I'm shocked you've got it that low. I, I I have tried, and again, I tried this time. I cannot get that along with this album. I really can't. Um, you know, I mean, look, we in my darkest hour is a classic. We know that, but it's just so much of it just feels. Again, uncertain. It's just got that uncertain vibe. And you've got stuff like Mary Jane and Hook in Mouth, which for the most part are good, but they start out start out just badly. And I just, I, there's nothing I can get my teeth into. And I think the production is wrong. It's got this 80s arena rock production, which just doesn't feel right for the band at all. It feels like they're trying to be something they're not. And it just it just doesn't agree with me as well as it does for you by a long way um and i just yeah i, I don't think i'm ever going to get into this album look padre you you have your say you know i mean i, I completely disagree about hooking mouth and that song is is very good mary jane as well was really good i think i, I love mary jane it's the way this the, the way that song builds and you've got that little bit of a solo at the beginning and then you've got the the blistering ending hooking mouth that that riff that goes all the way through it and the fact, and what I love about Hooking Mouth is that is a massive fuck you to Tipper Gore and the PMRC. That's what he wrote it. So again, I I, I get it. Like he's he's sticking up for the genre, there. um, and you know, directly having a go at fucking Tipper Gore. Um, the 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 song that I don't like on there, which I do find quite funny because of what it's about, because he he got pulled over and they found like twelve different substances inside his system. 502 is you know um the cover of anarchy in the uk uh badly timed just I, yeah yeah i said this on um, twitter basically you've got lyrics on there where he semi-repeats it and he says you know is this the ira i thought this was a usa and that means something completely different in america yeah yeah ira that's a that's a medical uh no not medical sorry that's a pension account or something but this this is the thing with where Mustaine was at this point he was a fucking mess I mean it was I think it was it was around about this time that he, he did the cover of No More Mr. Nice Guy wasn't it yeah. and, and yeah, the, yeah. the, the video they couldn't they couldn't film him singing and playing at the same time because he couldn't do it the video was all split screen because he could not fucking sing and play the guitar at the same time so that kind of gives you an idea of what headspace Mustaine was in in this era of Megadeth, he was an absolute fucking shit state. You know, I mean, this is this this is them playing Donington '88 and Ellison flying home straight into rehab. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, they were a mess. They they were, and they had a they had a very weird choices as a drummer, Chuck Bowler, and they had Jeff Young, who Mustaine despised because yeah. he just, he thought in, and it's and it's really sad because. Jeff Young is a good guitarist. I don't think he was a good pick for Megadeth, but he's a very, very accomplished guitar player. He's also a very good classical guitar player. And he's got a very interesting 
blog slash podcast and he, there are a few episodes where he talks about being in Megadeth but he also at the end of it he just says okay right I've, I've now I'm done with this because some of the stuff he says that Mustaine did to him and said to him and that he's repeated to and like you said like there's always something with Mustaine in the background it's always going to come to the service and he can't let anything go and even even after all these years Jeff Young's name still crops up in interviews and he's still having a go at him about things. And it's just like, dude, like what did this Let guy do to you that was so bad? Yeah, exactly. exactly. You, you chose him to play in your band and then you kicked him out, but you've seemed to think that he's done you wrong. Um, but that's Mustaine all over. That's, yeah, yeah. Why, that's why so many people have such a problem with him. Well, this, that's the thing. This, this actually, out of all the classic albums, this sounds like the one where people are on drugs to me. It just doesn't have that cohesiveness and that certainty. Um, but I, yeah, I, do, I do. Yeah, I do see where you're coming from with that point, to be fair. Yeah, but... I do too. But Into the Lungs of Hell, Set the World Afire, Mary Jane, So Far So Good, not So Far So Good. In My Darkest Hour. In My Darkest Hour, which is a phenomenal piece. Absolutely. Hook yeah. and Mouth, those five songs are enough on that album. And In My Darkest Hour is good enough on its own. Because that is a really good song and it's written about Cliff. So, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. that's where it gets me. And you know, sentimentally, in my darkest hour for me, was the first Megadeth song I learned to play in the guitar. So you know. Yeah. Again, it's another one that's 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 flawed. And you know, whatever state Megadeth were in, it it could have been better. But look, top three, motherfuckers, we are in the top fucking three. And <laughs> We were talking about Countdown to Its Genius, and just now, going forward, number three, we've got Euthanasia. Now, this is where I think Megadeth hit absolute gold with that 90s sound. They almost got it right on Countdown to Extinction. Euthanasia is massively underrated. I know a lot of people don't rate it as a Megadeth album, which is just plain wrong. Um, it is... Look... We've got it as number three, you know. So that, that kind of that says it all. It is a absolute bona fide fucking classic. This album. There's not a single bad song on this album. No, the, I agree. The production for what they were doing at the time. I think, I, I think they they lost that rawness that that um, Countdown to Extinction still had. But I think that works for where, where they're going because these songs sound huge. Yeah, yeah, they're massive. Absolutely huge. Um, you know, I think there are, I think I said this before. I think Dave wanted to do a black album, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, this, this is it. it. This and is I it. don't think Countdown was it. It was, he no. was, it was the wrong time. It was a bit too soon. He was still, uh, yeah, th this is his black album where he's trying to move into that sort of harder rock, big anthemic MTV sort of thing and not compromise himself. And I think that's where he gets it right here. You know, the choruses are huge. Songs are huge. Just, they're all, the songs are all good. Great. I got, got it, just yeah. it. Some of them, some of them are up there as my favorite Megadeth songs. Um, Train of Consequences, the title yeah. track, Family Tree, I Thought I Knew It All, Reckoning Day. And look, for, and for <laughs> as much stick as it gets, even a toot them on, Two yeah. weeks ago at Bloodstock, that sounded amazing, you know, and it's it such an underrated album. I'd say so. I used to live with people who, who like Megadeth, and one song they always always try to play play between themselves was The Killing Road. Yeah. That opening riff. 
beast of a riff. It's just, and the thing is, it's the fact that they could do a song like, uh, oh god, this is what I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's victory where he's going through the history of Megadeth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, you know, it, it's it's a bit self indulgent, but it works. Yeah, yeah, it works. It does, it does. And uh, I think we have to, um, we have we have to give a bit of a shout out to the artwork as well. The album artwork is just fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 that. And and that and that poster was always going to offend. Like if you had that poster in your like yeah. in university, yeah, yeah I mean, and like you know you, you know you've got the uh, the really great poster with the Father Vic, big rattlehead dressed up as a priest stroking yeah. a newborn child. I mean that again, it's great. Train of Consequences is a fantastic song. Uh, there's some there's some good songs on that. It's just when you get into that those those three or four albums that we're going to come up and talk about and so far so good and things like that i just couldn't put i couldn't put euthanasia for me over killing is my business or some of those other albums so i put it at number six but that's not to say that it's in any way a bad album or and I, nor have i got anything against it i think you know I when mean, i again, when i li- when i listen to this album i always listen to it loud because of the production yeah, of how yeah. big it sounds you know it kind of well, it I, does actually send a little bit of a shiver down my spine sometimes I but do again, so someone like someone I knew again when I was younger heard me play it, didn't know it was Megadeth, asked who it was, and they didn't like Megadeth, but they liked that album. That says a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty accessible. One, I think one one thing I think is relevant to the lack of acclaim that it got at the time, and this is strange when you consider what Pantera did in the same year, but I think nineteen ninety four. You are deep in, still deep in grunge, yeah. alternative rock. Uh, you know, thrash metal was pretty much died as a thing. Yeah, death yeah. metal is doing its thing. That's where the extremity does. And I think it's very much a case of this was probably just dismissed and disregarded by a lot of people. Yeah, it's Megadeth. It's we don't care about it anymore. They're an old thrash metal band. We don't care what they're making. All right, it sounds all right, but we've we've moved on. We've moved on. Thank you very much. Pantera, obviously, they're heavy. They're fucking heavy, and they're, they're, there's a there's a progressive, you know, metal of the future vibe to them. But yeah, I, I think that's why it doesn't get the acclaim because at the time it probably just didn't get the acclaim it should have done. Mate, and I think you hit the nail right on the fucking head with that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're completely right. It's just just bad timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, it's it's a classic. We all agree with that. You know, but top two. Now, I think if anybody's going to count down Megadeth albums, which I'm sure one or two people have in, in the past, I'm sure it's happened. I don't think we're the first. We'll have to double check, but I don't think we are. Um, it's always going to come down to these two albums, I think, when you're talking the best two. But the question is, is which way round have we got it? Now, going across the scores for the three of us, um, it, it it is it is very very close. Two of us have got one in first position, and and obviously vice versa. So, but in second place, we've got P cells, just like literally by a hair's breadth. And the reason that I don't put it as number one for me is the second half of the album isn't as strong as the first. The first five songs are so fucking good. And Padre, how many times have we said this over the years? In all the years we've known each other, if this was a five-track EP, it would have been completely untouchable. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but this is I, your favourite Megadeth album, isn't it? It's, it's, you've got this at number one. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, and I and I and I and I can completely see where people are coming from with the second half of the album. But I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that. Now, at one at one point, I kind of, I, I did go back and forth on that second half of the album. Um, I can appreciate. I'm not superstitious. The cover. Um, I absolutely love Bad Omens. In fact, I would say it's not the first five tracks; it's the first six. Bad Omens is a great song, and it really showcases just how good a drummer Gar Samuelson was. Yeah, I ain't superstitious. It is, yeah, it's a bit weird though with Megadeth, isn't it? Because they did this on pretty much all of the first four albums. They had to put a cover on that, and it's like, yeah, was it weird. always necessary? Was it really necessary? Like, why didn't you just write a seven album song? Or like, what is it? You got to seven and you just couldn't think of an eight. So you had to put yeah. a cover on that. And, you know, if you were going to do a cover, why couldn't you do a cover that was like a classic metal cover? Like, why why didn't you just cover a priest song or a Sabbath song or uh, maybe something, maybe something bread fan or like, you know, th- there's other stuff you could have covered. Like, you know, I mean, I don't get that the, the, the Nancy Sinatra cover and killing is my business. Yeah. It, it's weird. It, it's kind of, kitschy but it doesn't really work you can almost get away with it on a debut album but when you're three albums yeah down, kind yeah of, two or know. three albums in i mean yeah. i mean thankfully there's no there's no other songs on like you know uh rust in peace i actually uh, think this works on this album but it's just a fact that it is a cover that kind of just brings it down slightly it's a me. clever cover because it's a jazz yeah. song and if you're gonna have jazz guitar player and a jazz drummer in your band then maybe it makes sense but at the same time it's like on a second album, at the height, in that could, when it, it when it when it comes out in 1986, probably the seminal year of thrash metal, just a bit, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but that being said, my last words: the end, the end song. Good start. It starts good. Second half of that song is much better. Solo is fantastic. That's my justification for the second half. The first half of the song. First half of the album, you've, you've you've got, for example, a song like "Good Morning Black Friday." It's just absolutely phenomenal. There are three solos on that song. They are each they are different in their own way. The first solo, especially by, and this is the weird one because I always thought it was Chris Poland playing that solo, but it wasn't. It's Mustaine, and I think a lot of people forget just how good a lead player Mustaine is. Oh, he's phenomenal. And he, um, when you listen to that album, uh, like the 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 last solo and the first solo on Wake Up Dead are both Mustaine. The intro solo to The Conjuring is Mustaine. The first and the second solo in Good Morning Black Friday is Mustaine. The first solo in Devil's Island is Mustaine. In fact, I I mean maybe we can put this on a link on on Instagram. There is a video on YouTube and it is just the solos from P-Cells and everything else has been taken care taken out, but it tells you who plays which solo. And when you listen to those solos without any backing tracks, and you realise also just how fucking good Chris Poland is. Um, and that's another thing. Chris Poland, it, for me, with Megadeth guitar plays, it's either Chris Poland or Marcy Friedman. Um, I don't think there's any uh, argument there. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you've got, you've got the lyrical content for example, Devil's Island, which is based on the book Papillon. Good Morning Black Friday, great song. Uh, the Conjuring, which is like a basic instruction on how to make a hex on someone. Wake Up There, it's a great song. Awesome, that, that seminal riff at the end. 
Oh, and then obviously you've got Peace Cells, which is a fantastic song. Very clever. Peace Cells, that's oh. that is my favorite Megadeth song. That's yeah. got everything. Yeah. And then um for me, the and to this day it's still like the background on my desktop is the album cover. Yeah. This is fantastic. And like, but the 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 art the, the album, Peace Cells, but who's buying? It's a great album title. Um his voice album. is good on it, it's got the style. Uh, so it, it it's a close run thing to, for me to put that above the other album that we're going to talk about. But just it's for me, it's just I, I think if you take those 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 six tracks that I've mentioned, kind of compare them to tracks on that other album. The other album almost does it, but there's a couple of tracks on that other album that just just by a hair's breath don't do it for me as much as Peace Cells does. Can we just talk quickly before we go on to number one? The, there was a, a remaster of Peace Cells was it in 2004 I think yeah. 2004 a bunch of it, and what the fuck were they thinking with that yeah nah nah it, I, it's, it's the vi- I've, I've got the album on vinyl you need to listen to that album on vinyl that's that's, that's the, the, the original production is so good why that's fucking a, remaster uh, that's, that's, that's one of those albums where I'm thinking you know what I don't want to buy a repress or this because I'm scared I'll end up with a 2004 well I think they did it again in 2012 but even so I think that might have to be where I have to fork out. See, the, the, the thing, the, the one yeah, thing, yeah, for the, the original one thing press. that ruins it. Yeah. The one thing that ruins it is in the remastered version on P cells. There's no, there's no pause between when he when he's singing the chorus. The bass line goes through it. Ruins it. Absolutely yeah. ruins. It. There, there was there was no need, which is something that's so close to a perfect thrash album. There was just absolutely no need to go. Is, ruin is, it. Is that- I mean, were they? I mean, it was released in 04, but is that what he was doing when his arm was recovering? I think that was around that, that time. That would right? have been around about that kind of time, yeah. But yeah, even uh, so, just, just, I know you're bored, but fucking hell, just, yeah, no, absolutely no need for it. That's a trouble. You know, I had to choose, choose ones because just because it's easier for me to listen through Spotify than um, other forms. That's it. That's irritating when you go and listen to it on streaming. It's just yeah. that one that it defaults it, to. It's it the same as Countdown to Extinction, quite frankly. I had to, well, no, I want to listen to the 1992. And even yeah, that was yeah. remastered slightly, but that's still fairly close. But yeah, I mean, peace, I mean, outside of Iron Maiden, I think Devil's Island is probably my favourite galloping metal song. Yeah. Just, just how it builds and builds and builds. And yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a classic album. It, it it's, it's still very high up on my all-time list generally. Um, but not quite, not quite but, at the top. Yeah. In the context of Megadeth, number one, obviously, because it's the only one we haven't talked about yet, is... Rust in Peace. And I was really, really torn between Peace Cells and Rust in Peace. And weirdly, weirdly, I think I think I I probably listen to Peace Cells more than I do Rust in Peace. But in terms of what Megadeth were as a band at that time, Rust in Peace is where they hit absolute gold. They were this was peak Megadeth. This is where they hit their absolute, absolute peak. In terms of songwriting, riffs, solos, lyrical content, you know, it, they just absolutely fucking nailed it on Rusting Peace. From beginning to end, this just feels like just a little bit more like a complete package than Peace Cells does. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, I know, but for most of it, it just zips along at a great pace. Um, and it just seems to build up more and more and more. It just, you know, just... They're not stopping. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're still. 
doing interesting things with a tempo and 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 the riffs and whatnot. It's not just you know route one all the way. But it sits um, in it sits in that window of thirty five to forty four minutes. It's bang on forty minutes yeah. left. Rust in peace. Yeah. That, that, and that's part of what nails it. Gets it exactly right. And it's 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 even when you get like Dawn Patrol, the penultimate track, which is it's just that slow lumbering kind of yeah. You know, we're gonna we're gonna stop for a minute, and it's like, well, hang on a minute, we're surely near the end. Of course, then you just you get into that room. Those those last two songs on Rust in Peace is why it's not number one for me. That's that's why I didn't put it number one. They're a bit divisive, aren't they? But for me, I, I they they work for me. I know I'm not a, not the biggest fan of Five Magics either. Well, it's, uh, I'm not saying no. it's a bad song, but but I, I think. It, it, that's that's weird because we were having the same you know the same points we were making about peace cells. It's it's that towards the end of the yeah. album, those couple of songs that let it down for me. Whereas, Rust in Peace doesn't. Like I said, this this was like a hair's breadth between the two albums in terms of a top two for me. It was really really hard. Um, no, for me, it's a definite Rust in Peace. I, I I love this album so much. I mean, again, the production is just absolutely perfect for it. It's heavy, but it's still raw. But it just yeah. doesn't impact on the melody and the riffs and the and the, the dynamics of, of the album across the board. Um, it's you know it's I think I think it's like number in terms of like straight up metal albums. It's it's my number two of all time. So yeah, yeah. it's, um, it, it's, it's it. like, like, like holy, holy wars. What is there? Six solos in holy wars. I lose count. It's just fucking. It, it's it's mental, and it, you know. And again, I go back to Bloodstock. My plan was to watch about twenty minutes of Megadeth. Like I'm done. I've seen this all before. I'm going to go and pack up. But you know, they open with Hangar 18, and straight away, like you're dragged in. Then you know, and and when yeah. we, I stayed, and I'm glad I did stay because when they they end with Holy Wars, and you just it just makes you realise just how fucking good Megadeth were when they were at their peak. Just awesome songwriting. It really is. I still would have loved to have been able to see them in 93 at Milton Ball with Metallica. Wolfman was there. Yeah. You know, as a a, a fledgling wolf cub. But uh, he was there. It, it would have been Clash of the Titans for me. That that would have been yeah the one for me. And not just because of Megadeth, because of the rest of the lineup. It was just insane. So, you know, but that... That whole era of Megadeth, that late 80s and into the early 90s, they they were just so, so good. And I think it's almost what makes recent Megadeth feel that much shitter is because they were so good in that peak. Whereas Metallica have kind of done their bit here and there and the last three albums have been strong, but you know Megadeth have just been kind of all over the place. And the point you both made about them not being a cohesive unit, a proper band, is the biggest reason for that. The, the chemistry is just not there. What well, one of the things I love about Rustin Peace, I mean, there's the artwork and there's this, the, the, you know, some of the the, the the singles with the B sides are really good as well. Um, you know, and some of the 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 merch from that album is all good as well, like the t-shirts that come out. Like the the this, the holy the holy wars t-shirt is particularly good. And then obviously there's the Hangar 18 t-shirt and then there's also the actual album cover t-shirt. Um, but like one of the things that really makes me laugh is it's in, it inspired one of my favourite pieces of satirical news from the onion.com. Have you ever seen it? No. Like just, just, it's just the title, right? It's just, it's just it, it cracks me up. 
So this is um I'll, I'll send up we can maybe put the link up on Instagram or something or I'll, I'll post it on Instagram later. This is um August the third, twenty fifteen. Um, the onion onion radio news entertainment. Humanity still producing new art as though Megadeth's Rust in Peace doesn't already exist. <laughs> um, and it, um Washington USA saying that any further endeavors of technical skill and imagination were pointless. Experts at the, at the Smithsonian Institution reportedly questioned Monday why new art was still being produced after the pinnacle of aesthetic and creative potential was reached in 1990 with Megadeth's fourth studio album, Russian in Peace. As the unquestioned apex of the entire history of the creative arts, Rust in Peace is the finest and last necessary piece of human expression. But it's almost as though current so-called artists are completely oblivious to Dave Mustaine's blistering transcendent guitar work on Hangar 18. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on like that. Um, and it's like, uh, so, um, it, it's like a Smithsonian curator of contemporary art, Joanna Marsh, said in an interview, it's not just incredibly disrespectful to keep making art. In many ways, it's actually quite sad. <laughs> um, blah, blah, blah. Well, it... just, like, right at the end, it's got my favourite bit. Um the, the deluded people churning out this worthless garbage just can't seem to reconcile themselves to the fact that their pathetic little sculptures in films and novels and whatnot will always pale in comparison to the brilliantly inspired heart-stopping tempo shift halfway through Holy Wars, The Punishment Jew. <laughs> you know um, what? A Megadeth fan wrote that. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, just yeah. just a little bit, yeah. And look, if, if that if that doesn't sum up where we've got to at yeah. the end of this episode, nothing will. So I think that's the perfect way to end it. It's um, yeah. Look, we we we're gonna do this again. We're gonna go through some some other back catalogs because it's it's been really enjoyable. Well, apart from listening to you know some I, I of the mean, shit I, Megadeth albums again, but it's it's been good fun going it over. Would be, it. it would be nice if 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 people can like post which bands they want us to do. Because... Well, be before that, before that, I think the reactions we want to get is what what you as listeners think of a our choices and where we've gone wrong, and you know, is anybody else out there going to have United Abominations and Dystopia in their top five Megadeth albums? I, <laughs> it's it's like I just, it blows my mind. So, you know, we'll 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 reach out on that. But I would love to hear from other people on exactly what they think about some of the the lesser classic Megadeth albums and see if anybody actually agrees with your questionable opinion. We'll let you off on this occasion because this is a democracy, despite what some may consider it to be. It, it is. So, yeah. Um, well, that's that for this week. Uh, we will be back next week with I'm not sure what, but um, one thing we certainly need to do, which we forgot last month, is go back over August releases. So, Today alone, the day we're recording it, has been an absolute cracking day of album releases. So need to get through those. Last last week was a cracker as well. It's just yeah, yeah. The, it's it's been um, August has been a really strong month. So we'll um, I'll, I'll look forward to to going back over them. And and look, even the Holy Man has listened to some of it. So we're making progress. Oh, Doomsday are amazing. <laughs> oh, I've been listening to it like solidly for two days. Definitely, well, well worth a listen. Um, yeah, well, there you go. So, and the, yeah. I, I do like their cover of um, Trapped Under Ice. 
Yeah, you know what? It's it's, it's pretty decent, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that in more detail probably either next week or the week after. But we'll uh, we'll, we'll see how long it takes us to get through this week's releases first. Fucking hell. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening and uh, stay well. See you next week.